Leadership Show with Andy Peck. It's great that you could join us for another look at leadership that we hope helps you use your influence for God-given ends. You may well be aware of a key statistic that is often quoted. A massive 90% of Christians in the UK come to faith before the age of 18. So you would think this would mean that local churches will be focusing their efforts on children and youth. But if this is happening, it's certainly not working. Some 70% of Anglican churches have five or fewer under-16s in their congregation. There's a whole host of reasons for this, of course, but it's a key leadership challenge for so many and for us all as we look at the future of the church in the UK. Well, I'm joined this week by Ali Campbell, who is a consultant in youth and children's work and who is launching a new ministry designed to support children and young people and their workers called Paraclesis. And I look forward to picking his brains in this conversation. So, Ali, welcome to The Leadership Show. Thanks, Andy. Great to be with you. Uh, So my my obvious question to start with is, how do we get into this mess, Ali? (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I don't know that we've got time to go into it. But um, (laughs) I guess in a nutshell, if you go back 40 years to when churches started seriously thinking about uh, investing in youth and children's ministry, so began to employ people to lead on that. Um, This is before degrees in youth and children's ministry, which we have now. Um, The challenge, I guess, back then was that churches autonomously as individual churches decided whether or not to enter the field where they employed people. And obviously, to start with, that depended on whether churches had the resources to pay somebody else and that kind of thing. That's generally continued to be the pattern uh, for the last 40 years. We went through a kind of boom period, perhaps, where youth workers were being employed left, right and centre, I would say, into the 90s and into the early 2000s. And again, still predominantly employed by local churches. So that autonomy and that lack of structure in terms of the denominations, I think, has been an Achilles heel to seeing youth ministry embedded long term for the the future of the church. So unlike stipendary ministry, uh, which regardless of denomination, there there are kind of training streams and colleges focused solely on recruiting clergy and those who are going to be ordained to lead lead pastors in Baptist churches, priests in Anglican churches, etc. There's not been any kind of national strategy for youth and children's ministry in terms of recruiting people to the local church and serving there. It's very much been left to the church's own devices. We've hit what I would see as a crisis point right now, where increasingly churches are finding they don't have the financial resources to employ. Um, Those that do tend to be the wealthier churches and not always the ones in the place where there's the greatest need. Um, So we've got a real patchwork across the country, I would say, of um, some churches still doing quite well, relatively speaking, and huge deserts of space where we don't have much happening at all. That's just thinking about salaried ministry. If you drop down into supporting those who are volunteers, again, it's very patchy around training, the kind of regular support that people get. It just depends what area you're in, if there's anybody locally who can support or encourage what you're doing. Often, clergy, senior leadership don't have enough knowledge or skills to develop their volunteer teams, in particular areas of ministry like children's families and youth work. So they're expecting somebody to come in and be that professional but churches are finding it increasingly difficult to find those people. And 
I'd put that at the denominations door, really, and say we've just had a lack of denominational investment. We've left it to others to make up the gap. And it's now telling um, significantly for our youth and children's work. And Ali, would it be true to say that to some extent, the lack of healthy and good role models of youth leaders who've perhaps served for a number of years has meant that those who are younger are not aspiring to be like them and to go into that kind of training themselves? Um, I think it's a mixed picture. I mean, I did um, a survey a couple of years ago that um, we surveyed over 600 salaried workers across the church. And um, I mean, I was surprised then to find that, you know, 15 to 20% had been in ministry for longer than a decade, which was exciting um, to see. But then we also have a crowd coming through who've been probably a third have been in ministry in terms of salary ministry less than five years. So overall, we've got quite a young workforce and that age has dropped continually. So we now have, I would say, more people in their early 20s, perhaps, who are salaried workers, just done their degree and they're doing a couple of years as a salaried worker than we perhaps have at the other end. Um, so perhaps you're right in terms of they're not seeing those role models because they're not necessarily serving in a church where there is somebody older who's leading on the ministry. Um, I guess the challenge is you have churches that are looking for somebody to come in and they're finding a 23-year-old who may have got the degree but doesn't necessarily have the life experience or the maturity to be leading on ministry that is about engaging with families, engaging with young people that don't come to church and trying to do outreach and all the rest of it. Um, it's a big challenge, I think, that kind of gap. And then I would say as people hit their late 20s, early 30s, what they've done is either leave ministry because it's been challenging financially. As soon as you start being responsible for other people, um, get married, have a family, it becomes more difficult to stay in salaried ministry because the pay just doesn't equate to what's required. Um, and and then you have this gap where you've got people leaving, often I would say going into ordained ministry because being on a stipend is more secure um, in terms of staying in ministry. If that is, if your heart is to serve in that way, I've seen lots of youth workers head in that direction. And others have left, either they're burnt out or they've left because they just can't sustain it into, uh, into their 30s and beyond if they start having a family and they're the primary earner. There's, there's still the volunteer dimension to, to youth ministry that's still struggled, even in spite of, of all this, isn't it? I guess if for me, it's about what, what value does the church place upon the work? And I think every, nobody I know or speak to says they don't want children's and youth work. But I think how we value it depends upon the energy that the ch local church brings to it and what they're prepared to spend to enable that ministry to happen. And that's not about whether they're paying a worker. It's thinking just simply about expenses and a budget for the ministry and properly valuing it. I mean, in inevitably, perhaps, um, with the growth of um, worship and particular ways in which we think of worship, I would say spe specifically in the ev evangelical church, you might have a church spending thousands on their new PA system but not have a budget for children's ministry. Um, and those things still persist in terms of that disparity between what we'll pay for the sanctuary worship and what we'll pay for what's happening in a hall um, out the back where the children's ministry is taking place. 
Um, and I think that does communicate something to people that want to volunteer in ministry. Um, what are the priorities here? And what are the things that we need to be doing? Um, the challenge also is how we recruit people to volunteer. Uh, for me, the, the, the best way to recruit volunteers is to share the story of what God is doing in the lives of children and young people. That can be great from existing team. That can also be great from children and young people themselves about what they're doing. Um, but often what happens is a bit of hand-wringing at the front saying, this activity won't happen unless you volunteer. We're going to have to close Sunday school or junior church or whatever. And um, I, what's intimated is if you do volunteer, you're in this for life because we don't, we don't think anybody else is going to want to do it. That's not the best way to recruit. Um, sadly, I think some churches still take that approach. They want it to happen, but it's out of a place of desperation rather than a desire to see children, young people flourish. It's just we have to run these activities. We need people to do it. Um, and while we're bemoaning the uh, situation, the youth or children's worker is not part of the leadership team. And so they're not able to feed into the wider discussion, the particular needs of that sector of the church life. Yeah, I think that's a real, it's a real mistake that I see lots of churches make where the leadership team is made up of those who are generally ministering to adults and the the staff team, if you're privileged enough to have one, as in, you know, salaried staff, but even I would say volunteers in this space as well, is made up of those who do these bits of ministry and then they're siloed into youth work, children's work, family work, even within that context, old people's work. So the problem then is if we're a whole church and everybody who's there is part of the body of Christ together, then we're missing a significant voice if we don't include those representing, advocating for being the voice of children and young people in those spaces, which is the children's and youth workers. Um, I mean, you know, if you want to engage in effective evangelism and mission, then for me, it's key to have children's and youth workers part of those conversations in leadership. They're often the ones that are the catalysts for new people coming into church. While you're listening to The Leadership Show, I'm joined this week by Ali Campbell. He's a, a consultant uh, for youth and children's work. Uh, Ali, let's continue to unpack things a little bit, but start to be a bit brighter maybe in um, in our conversation because clearly uh, things are struggling. But as, you've, as you work, what are the kind of models that are working and that you've seen uh, are healthier? Yeah, there are. There are some, there's some excellent practice going on. I guess uh, for me, one of the key things for children and young people is continuity. And that's, that's through the ages. It's, it's having people in the church who are going to journey with children and young people, you know, from birth right through to adulthood. Um, and the church potentially is one of these unique spaces where that happens. The only other place that happens is in the family, in the home. But the church as the body of Christ has the potential to be that too, to journey with children and young people from birth through to them going to university or going to work. Um, unlike school, where they are compartmentalized into these segregated age groups as they go through their learning. And for me, that's a real potential strength of the church. So where I've seen things working really well, there is an intergenerational model where, where we can, we do stuff together rather than in segregated groups. There's significant adults who invest in the lives of children and young people, regardless of whether they're on the youth and children's team. They're praying for the children and young people in the church. They're chatting to them on a Sunday when they see them in church. There's that community engagement 
that children and young people feel part of. And then when they're encouraged to participate and join in, not just in their children's and youth activities, but in the wider church, for me, the critical thing is, are we finding a place of significance for children and young people to serve today, not just wait till they're adults? Um, and when they do, they're far more likely to stay and see church as a place that wants and needs them to be part of it than a place where well, it doesn't matter whether I come or not, I don't get to do anything. Um, and that doing something is key for faith development and growth. Um, if you're leading a Bible study, you have to pay attention to the Bible. <laughs> you have to read it. You have to understand it. You have to think a bit about the kind of questions that might come up. So when we encourage children, young people to serve and get involved in themselves in children's and youth work, perhaps with younger children or younger young people, their own growth just accelerates as they have to put their own faith into practice. Uh, we know that's true of adults to get involved in ministry. I don't know why we think it's any different for children, and young people. But where I've seen that happen, then I've seen growth. I've seen uh, young people just come alive in their faith as they're asked to contribute. And they recognize, wow, I'm valued for what I bring. Um, so that's exciting. And that can happen whether you've got salaried workers or volunteers leading it. So, Ali, let me list some of the things that are classically seen as being key to youth and children's work. And you can tell me whether you think these are important or, or if I'm missing anything. So most would say lively worship that connects with young people. So the music style matters. Opportunities to connect with other young people. So the peer group so obviously you need a kind of mass of numbers really credible answers to questions of faith that young people ask and needs to be there appropriate timings for gatherings that mesh with children's and youth's education so it's no good running something which clashes with something that's happening locally um, and also some kind of ministry or activities that are going to attract people outside the church gathering are there, have, have I missed anything? Are there particular things that I've listed that, that you think are important? I think generally I'd go along with all of that. I think over, overarching, for me, overarching everything is authenticity. So I think it matters more to young people that we're real than, we, than that we do stuff in a funky or trendy way. So, for example, if we think about contemporary worship, we might have a model that we think, well, this kind of model will attract young people. And basically what we're still talking about generally in the church is folk rock. So <laughs> I don't know any young people really that listen to folk rock. So it, in some ways it's what we're projecting onto young people, um, the worship style that we've grown up with through the 80s and 90s, where suddenly uh, we had worship that we thought, oh, this sounds contemporary. There's you know drums and a guitar and stuff happening. But, but actually young people want authenticity. So you can have that in a high mass where it really seems meaningful what's taking place. And that can be incredibly attractive. You know, if we do stuff meaningfully and we genuinely care about the young people and we're interested in them, um, for me, those are the bedrocks to effective youth and children's ministry. And the thing with the questions, you mentioned, you know, having their questions appropriately or sort of well answered. I think one of the challenges there is having space for questions that can't be answered easily. Yeah. And allowing young people to ask those, and that's okay, and not always needing to have an answer, but but journeying with young people is there's stuff we still don't get. Um, you know, Paul says we see through a glass darkly, mm. and I think sometimes we need to acknowledge that more often with children and young people, rather than give them not necessarily pat answers, but try and always have an explanation for something, 
when actually at the back of my mind was thinking, I've no idea. (laughs) Well, if you haven't, say so. (laughs) That's much more real for a young person than just trying to blabber our way through it and hope we've come up with something half decent as an answer. And I think if if I was to break it down very quickly, sorry, but if I was to break it down, I think sometimes we do youth work to young people. Better than that is doing youth work for young people, where at least we think about their needs. Um, it's even better to do it with young people, where there's that participation. They feel they've got a, a shared ownership with us of what the youth work looks like. And in terms of peer-to-peer, youth work by young people can be incredibly powerful if they're given a certain amount of freedom whilst also having us as adults there to catch them if things don't work well. Um, so we're not throwing them to the wolves. We're just allowing them to bring their gifting and see what happens, but creating a safe space for that as they minister to their peers. That can be incredibly exciting. And where I've seen that happen, that's been amongst the most effective work I've ever seen with young people. I think that's a brilliant uh, distinction. Um, so, so thank you. So, so Ali, you're looking to address some of these challenges uh, with Paraclesis. So tell us about Paraclesis. What was the genesis of that idea? So um, a survey was carried out a couple of years ago. We surveyed over 600 youth, children and families workers. About 70% were based at Anglican parishes, Church of England, but 30% were from Baptist, Vineyard, Methodist, um, free churches all over the place, really. And um, there were a few themes that kind of came through strongly. One of the challenges was effective line management and supervision. And it was felt that that was great in some places, but in a lot of places could be better. Shall we say that if we were marking churches on their performance? And then another factor that I think has become more and more relevant and needed is the need to mentor those in youth and children's ministry. We mentioned about those not necessarily having people ahead of them that they can aspire to be like. And that might be true in their locality or nearby, And yet there is a crowd of fantastic people in youth and children's ministry. Some of them are in parachurch organizations. Some of them are leading stuff nationally in terms of youth and children's ministry. But to connect local church leaders uh, who are youth and children's ministry specialists with mentors who can journey with them. So one of the hopes of Paraclesis is that we'll encourage people to look for a mentor. As part of membership, we'll offer a free mentoring session with somebody that just gets people started on that journey. And all I'd be my mentoring is somebody who will journey with people. I mean, paraclesis, the word from Greek literally means to journey or be alongside. And there's that sense of advocacy as well. And um, it's most often linked with the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, the paraclete. And I guess it's that being alongside, encouraging, nurturing, journeying with that we want paraclesis to be. So it's an association, children's youth and families ministers, Um, There'll be a membership fee, and then for that, you get to join. um, You get a free mentoring session. There'll be resources and support on the website. You get to be part of this community um, of people that are pursuing ministry with children and young people. Uh, When I did the survey a couple of years ago, I asked the question, how many of you would like to be in salaried ministry with children, young people, and families until retirement? And 74% of people who answered that question, which was over 500 of those who took part in the survey, said, yes, I want to be in this till retirement. Wow. Um, That's significant for the church. Um, And as the church, denominations need to pay attention to that, um, that we've got people who have got a real sense of calling, lifelong calling to children, young people. 
And the challenge for the church really is how do we enable those people to thrive in ministry, um, not in the short term, but for long term. So my hope is Paraclete is just a small part of trying to journey and be alongside. Um, I'm just the development worker. So although kind of perhaps I've helped make it happen, um, it's part of a wider charity called My Ministry, which is about investing in lay ministry right across the church. Um, and Paraclesis is the first project of that, which is particularly about investing in children's youth and family ministers. We're not quite ready to launch. We're still looking for funding, trying to get different things off the ground as we develop. Um, so it's coming. <laughs> 2022 it is coming this year. That's the hope. Fabulous. And if you're, well, if you're listening and you believe this is a ministry that you should be supporting or could be supporting, or you have hefty funds that are sitting somewhere in a bank account, then do release them to Ali, eh? Oh, yeah. If you've got hefty funds, do give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Ali, it's it's fascinating to to chat with you. You you Despite the fact that you call this a crisis, you, you sound optimistic. So I, I trust that's your sense going forward, that there's lots to be optimistic about. I'm hugely optimistic because I think sometimes when I mean, it's, it's challenging for the church to feel that we're up against it. And, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, cloud in, you know, head in the clouds thinking about the future. But I do think that when we strip things back, it does concentrate the mind. And then we look at well, what is it we really need to do? How do we pass on faith effectively? How do we engage well? We're already doing that. We're seeing a lot of things shift around how we engage with the home. And part of what we've gone through through COVID has put a spotlight, if you like, on ministry to the home. And I know that's something that um, Premier are looking at how they better invest in what happens in the home. That's hugely encouraging for me because I think that's key. Partnership with the home is a key aspect of effective youth and children's ministry. I should have added that to your list of things that you said, these are the things. Partnership with the home is critical. Um, so I'm excited about that because I've seen a shift in the church, I think, certainly in thinking and talking about it. Um, I guess my prayer is that shifts into long-term strategy around engaging well with the home. And then I am excited because I see children, young people growing in faith. Um, I think just in my own church, we've got a youth group that start, I mean, the youth worker arrived at our church just before we entered the first lockdown in 2020. So She's effectively been our youth worker for nearly two years, most of which has just been COVID times. Well, um, and then in September, yeah, September she started a youth club on a Friday night. It was just an outreach club. We've got twenty-five coming to that from nothing. Um, we've got young people who are being discipled. We've got a, a growing uh, youth worship team in terms of young people being part of that, and. You know, that's just significant work that's managed to develop just in two short years that have been backwards and forwards with COVID and what we can and can't do and whether we can or can't meet. So I'm very excited about the possibilities for the future. That's just one picture from our own church. But it's just I see that and I think this is possible. We can engage with young people. Um, it's about creating a space that they, they feel comfortable, they want to be. It's, it is about having the team that will resource it. But I think if we if we build it, they will come. And I don't mean we just have to do stuff in the church. But if we build something as we want to invest in their lives and we commit to it rather than experiment with a three-year project and see what happens, we've got to commit to it. So it just has to be thinking, this may take a decade, this may take 18 months, 
well, we're going to do it. And then we commit to it and we make it happen. And wherever I've seen that level of commitment, I've seen work flourish. It may not happen in a short space of time. It might take longer, but it's that kind of commitment that sees things grow and develop. Um, so I'm excited. I think there's real possibilities. Young people today don't have a preconceived idea about what the church is going to look like. They've no idea because they've some of them, most of them have never been. So when the church does something engaging that's attractive, uh, my own hairdresser chatting to him the other day, he's come along to a couple of things at our church and got his own um, child baptized there. He just couldn't believe what we were doing. We had young people leading worship. He thought it was a really engaging talk that wasn't boring, wasn't church like he expected it to be. He had no idea. He just thought it would be boring because it was church. Um, so he was blown away. And, okay, he's not coming yet regularly, but, you know, I'm praying for him. And um, it, it's so there's opportunity. People aren't antagonistic. I think sometimes we think they just loathe the church and they don't want to have anything to do with it. But so often the church is being a blessing and we're, we're just – we need to just praise God that we're able to do some of the stuff we do. We've got um, in the church nationally, we've got some of the best stuff going on with preschool kids in the country. And, um, you know, Jubilee Plus report a couple of years ago, 30% of, you know, children under the age of five are engaging with the church in terms of that kind of preschool activity. Now, how that's going to look post-COVID with groups coming back and what they're going to look like is going to be a challenge for the church. But the opportunities are immense. Church of England educates 33% of our uh, primary age children. You know, there's massive opportunities for the church to engage well with children and young people in this country. We just sometimes need to step up and not be fearful about what's gone before and think, oh, it's not going to work. Uh, we need to have courage. We need to trust that God's with us. And we need to demonstrate to children and young people that we love them for who they are. And uh, I think that authenticity, you know, just makes all the difference. If we're going to do work with children, young people, let's mean it and really commit to them. And then I think God will bless that and honour that and we'll see fruit. Well, Ali, thank you so much for that exhortation to us and that encouragement. Much appreciated. Uh, the, the the website people need to go to to sign up for Paraclesis? Um, so if you want details about when we're going to launch to members, then um, paraclesis.org.uk. Um, and then you can just put your email in and we'll be in touch once we're ready to launch officially. And then so you'll know, you'll be the first to know um, when we're ready to go. And in the meantime, if anybody just wants information or details or wants to chat further about what's being planned, then they can drop me an email at ali at paraclesis.org.uk and I'd love to chat. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thanks, Andy. That was my conversation with Ali Campbell, a youth and children's work consultant. Great to chat with a leader with vision, and I hope you're enthused to start or reinvigorate your youth or children's ministry. You may want to serve the youth and children's workers that you know by linking them with the Paraclesis ministry. As always, there's plenty more conversations on the Premier website or the podcast platform where you listen to this from. Leadership can be tough, but God helping us, we can know his grace in the week ahead as we see good triumph over evil in his name. This is Andy Peck. Looking forward to your company next week. Bye for now. The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. Email andy.peck at premier.org.uk. 